Happy Friday, theater lovers. This week's guest is Cassandra Lynn Smith, and we chat about how movies and television have formed us throughout life in positive and negative ways, what a movie marathon looked like to her as a kid, which is a super cute story, and she reminisces on being a basic white girl in the 90s. (laughs) Cass is naturally funny, eloquent, relatable, and just easy to talk to. On with the show. <clears throat> so, welcome, Cassandra Lynn Smith, to Sorry I'm Famous. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much you. For, for joining me today. So, I usually like to say at the beginning how I've worked with someone, but we've never worked together. Uh, this we, is true. We, we had one interaction that I'll never forget. I think it was when we were, we were introduced to each other. I think it was after a Wizard of Oz run yes and we were down at refined fool and i'm quite starstruck by you and i remember you were sitting opposite to me in the pub and i was like i'm gonna go i'm gonna say hello i'm gonna introduce myself right after i drink a couple pints so that was probably a poor life choice but i do remember being like okay um so beyond that we haven't really chatted so yeah I was actually thinking about that this morning, and I was just like, and like here it is after your show, and you're coming up and being like, you're great. I'm like, you were the one that just did all of this, and your performance was so fun and perfect, and Thank you're complimenting you. me. I don't know what to do with my arms. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Oh, yeah. It's such a supportive community, though. Like, everybody seems to almost be starstruck with everybody else, which is really nice. Oh, and, yeah. and I didn't know that until I started chatting with people. So, well, we, we're blessed in Sarnia. Like, it's ridiculous how many talented people have moved to Sarnia and how many talented people grow up here and then, you know, wander off for a little bit and come back. And it's just like, oh my God. I don't like. I don't know what the plants are putting in our water, but it's effective yeah. for the art. That's all I can say. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a destination for the arts. That's for sure. So um, I'm curious too. How did you get your start with theater? Oh, um, it's kind of a funny, embarrassing story. I was in grade two, and my best friend had just done a summer camp called Hidden Talents, and so I told my mom. I want to do that camp with my best friend next year, just assuming that you do the same thing every single summer as a seven-year-old. So I'm signed up for this camp, never discussed it with my friend, never talked about it with her mom. I was just like, I want to go to this camp. (laughs) And the next year I went and my best friend was not there. She did not do it. She was into basketball that summer. And I introduced myself to everyone and immediately fell in love. My mom's very into old TV musicals type things. So I grew up with that and I loved singing always. But this was when I was finally realizing, oh, this is a thing I can go and do. And it's fun and social because I definitely had undiagnosed ADHD and it was something I could get my energy out and I wasn't too loud or I wasn't disruptive. I was energetic. I was bubbly and fun to watch. It was everything that I needed. And I grew up doing hidden talents and I did the summer camps and I worked at the summer camps way too young. I started when I was like 12 there were kids older than me that I was like, hey, you have to stop talking. Um, and then did the Nightingales and whatever odd little things that Carrie did, I was trying to do it all. And went away to school and Rock of Ages came back to Sarnia. 
and I had gotten to go see that in New York with my drama class. Thank you, Carolyn Lopsinger and Denise Chalk <laughs> for taking us, and Frank Brennan taking us to that. And I was like, oh, that show is a blast. And that's how I ended up starting with Theater Sarnia. So much of that is relatable because I, I definitely have also been that kind of person that's like certain crowds are like, why is this person so loud? But then in a theater crowd, you're like right where you need to be. Be louder, please. Project to the back <laughs> type yep. thing. So um, so what was that like being so young and working with the hidden talents? Like you said, you were bossing around kids your own age. I loved it. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I was placed with an older counselor for the first couple of years, but I always got along with teens. I think that's why I was so easily talked into doing the youth group for Theater Sarnia for a couple of years. I like relating to them. They're saucy, and so am I. And remember, there's been a few kids where they try to, you know, like, take you down a peg because that's what they're needing to do. And I'm like, okay, that was great. Let's try. If I were you, I would have come at me like this. So go back, work on it. You can hurt me more. Like, I was just really... <laughs> that would be so disarming. I Yeah, I met them with the opportunity to learn and become worse. I don't know. Other parents probably hate me now. But uh, <laughs> it was fun at the time for me to kind of throw people off their toes. And those kids ended up being really lovely afterwards. It's like they just needed that chance to vent and do it in a way that wasn't going to get them in trouble. And yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I, I was a problem child, so I probably liked the problem children for that. So it never occurred to me to uh, approach a sassy teenager with with that because they are very intimidating to me. <sighs> Frightening, right? Like it's a, it's a lot. You have to gird your loins and just like brace and take like a quick like okay, they're bringing up my own trauma, but I'm gonna stuff it back because it's not about me right now, and I'm gonna go forward and be like, okay, that was great, good job. That is amazing. Stone face. Stone face. You need to give classes to adults so that we know how to deal with, like, it's for realsies. Like, I think maybe we should talk after the interview. Like, I could probably use okay. the, the intensive class. Thank you. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, it could be fun. Yeah, I'm, uh, I think it's marketable. Whenever, <laughs> like I mentioned to you, the, my librarian, of course, we have, like, every every age that come into the, to the library. And mm -hmm. I'm terrified the second... The, the tweens, the teenagers come through the front door. I'm like, I'm going to go in the back and organize something. <laughs> you people can deal with it. I'm, I'm honestly curious if that is a response for most adults or if it's specifically like us drama kids, you know, because we mm. always thought that we were like misunderstood and emotionally deep at such a young age and no one understands me. But it, I don't know. I'm sure for a lot of us it was. I'm not hanging out with the cool kids. <laughs> or some people were the cool kids, and it's just, you know, you have that extra level of empathy because you're trying other people. But you know that range that's underneath all these kids coming in and being aggressive. And is it me projecting my own insecurities from that age on that kid, and this is actually just a lovely person? Usually that one. <laughs> that one. Wow. That is deep. Huh. I know, at 9.30 in the morning. Right? I'm doing great. Like, you're not, I can tell that coffee cup is still pretty full, too. So, like, yes, I have had, this This empty right here, I've had my coffee, and I'm still kind of like, ah. 
Oh yeah, I apologize to anyone for my swallowing sounds during this process because I'm going to keep drinking the coffee. <laughs> oh, I, okay, so if it makes you feel any better, this sound, I don't know if you can hear that. Probably not. That's I can my, now, yeah. I edit that out uh, a lot. That's me, and oh, between me dropping my mug and laughing too loud, that's most of my <laughs> editing process. So don't feel worried about anything that you might do. Okay, cool, you fine. cool. You fine. All right. So uh, then, I I honestly don't even know what your day job is, but I'm I'm curious about like, do you work with kids for your day job? No, as well? sometimes if I'm lucky, I'm a massage therapist, so I I'm still either talking for an hour straight or just quiet for an hour straight. So you say if you're lucky, you get to work with kids. So is it it's a rare thing that kids go for massages? Uh, yeah, sometimes I'll get some kids come in. It's like it can be. Sports, a lot of the times in Sarnia, because, again, we're very, very, I don't know if it's intense with our kids, but it's like there's always stuff to do. It's like we're very sport-oriented or art-oriented, and so I get a lot of sports kids in or sometimes post-vehicle accident kids. But Or my personal favorite is when a little kid just wants to come in because their parents has been, and I'm like, oh, it's in half an hour of just the smallest human. And I'm like, look how small everything is on you. <laughs> They're like, oh, you tiny, tiny ribs. What? Yeah, so <laughs> That's so cute. I love that idea, too, that, like, they're learning that self-care is important even at a very young age. Oh, yeah. That's super oh, cool. Yeah. How did you get into massage therapy? I, I went to Lampton for pre-health sciences because my mom didn't want to explain 12X to our family, who mostly lives in the States. She's like, it's not going to be 12X to them. It's going to be you failed high school, and I'm not explaining that. So <laughs> so I took pre-health at Lampton because in high school I did most of the arts. I took, you know, visual arts and drama and English. So my math and science was, like, way out of whack. And that course basically gives you your up to grade 12 math and sciences. And my biology teacher there, who's name I cannot remember, but I can picture her. Uh, <laughs> she's like, you're really good at anatomy. You've got that down pat. You're really good at anatomy and biology and understanding like DNA sequences and all that kind of stuff and why people are the way they are. This might be a good course for you. So I figured worst comes to worst, I'd sign up for the massage course, see if I liked it. And if I didn't, then I'd, you know, drop out and just work for a year and I kind of fell in love immediately. Now I'm almost 30 and all of my joints squeak, so, like, it's a whole thing. <laughs> but do you know how to fix it, maybe? Cause you... uh, I think that's almost worse. I know how to fix it. Oh. I can't do it on myself. Oh, okay. Work. Like, you can kind of, like, work on, like, the front of your leg a little bit, but then you're furthering your own, like, forearm damage. And, yeah. Oh, oh my it's goodness. It's a thick cycle, but I've got, I've got people I go to. That's good. Constant. Yeah, you should be in the know. You know, the peeps. A constant rotation, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, that is another mystical thing to me, understanding the body. So, like, but you're blowing my mind that you, like, you understand the kids, you understand the bodies. This, yeah, not my realm. Um, is there ever a, a time where the two overlap, the theater and the massage therapy? A little bit. Um, I've been very fortunate that the theater community took me in with full arms, and I'll have some people come in and check out my space or come in and book for some appointments. 
or people will recognize me sometimes, which is always like a weird but exciting thing because they're like, oh, you were that girl with the bend and snap. And I'm like, hey, I'm in a super professional thing. And I was a goofball in that. I was sexualizing someone that I barely knew in that role. And now I need you to be like real firm about we are both Ken dolls. There are no bits here. We are all just blobs of flesh. Thank you. <laughs> Um, so sometimes they'll overlap, but not too much. Not too much. <laughs> <laughs> so then you, you said the bend and snap, and I was really hoping that you would, because I wasn't around for Legally Blonde, so okay. I didn't get to see you in it, but I definitely oh. love that movie, and for sure, that character is my favorite. Like, oh my gosh, the she's movie. everyone's favorite. Yeah, so d- tell yeah. me all about that, anything you want to. Blonde was an interesting experience for me because I I grew up very much with a gratitude mindset doing musical theater or doing any of the shows just because I was constantly surrounded by so many talented kids and adults. So if I ever just got the opportunity to be a part of a show, it was exciting. It was a big deal. So I, I coined myself a hashtag chorus kid for life. Like, it's just like, I'm like, I'm just happy to be here wherever you want me. I'll stand. I'll be a tree. Like, I don't know. I just want to be a part of it all. <laughs> and Blonde was one of those really exciting shows that I knew the musical beforehand and I knew the story. And I think I wore out my VHS of Legally Blonde initially. Like, that that mother was broken because I would... I would watch it start to finish. Uh, finish. <laughs> Popeye the Sailor Man. Going up to the finish. Um, I would go to the end, and then I would immediately rewind that like VHS, <laughs> like just go to the beginning again. So when I got the call, I was sitting in Refined Fool because that's where we live for the theater, and I was with Taylor who played Elle, and she was so excited because she had just gotten it, and the directing team called me, and I was like, I, really? Are you, are you sure? Because, like, everyone else did a real good job on their audition when we did the readback. Like, that was really nice. Like, so it was a little disbelief, and I was like, oh, I'm not a chorus kid. What the hell? What's, What's happening? happening? I'm like, I got I got a name. I got a name in the thing, and I'm doing a character that I adore above all else. So that was really exciting, and I don't know if that glow will ever fully go away when I think about that. Like, that's just such a, a good, heartwarming memory, not just not just because I was like, ooh, la la, I got a name, but um, it was a character I cared about in a show that I felt strongly for. So that was fun. And then I got the opportunity, I will say, to do costumes with Catherine and Rosa for that. And that was kind of when we discovered at the theater that maybe the actors should not also be uh, heads of departments because <laughs> there were quite a few costume kind of organizing meetings where the three of us were just having like a breakdown in the back room (laughs) in the costume room (laughs) and just laughing our asses off and not actually able to focus because it was so overwhelming because Legally Blonde is about clothes and we had a lovely large cast and you want to pay the proper homage to that movie because I won't say everyone knows that movie but everyone knows (laughs) that movie So it it was a lot of pressure, and yeah, there was was a lot going on, and I think quite a few members of our cast were actually, came a little, a little flustery for some people towards the end, but everyone supported each other so well that, you know, we got through, and my mom, who was kind of my sounding board at the time when I was feeling overwhelmed, she's like, you'd never know. 
you'd never know. It was just a fun show. It was great. And, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of other little things for blonde choreography. That was the first time I really had to, like, actually pay, not pay attention, but make sure I got it down. And Jackie was lovely to book extra sessions with me because I am not a dancer. I am not a dancer. I can pick up the steps, and I'm good if I can see someone. But I'm one of those people that as soon as I don't have that mirror anymore, I'm like, oh, no, that was crap. <laughs> at home without like any reflective surfaces and yeah it was it was a big growth I understood how much pressure named roles were because you had you had to be on the ball and if you were dropping lines or if you weren't prepared it's like you've wasted all these people's time so it was I I appreciate the role and I also appreciate chorus a little bit more my gratitude for the chorus life is still really high <laughs> That sounds like a lot for, because it, it, it's not a small role, and then to also be involved in in costuming, like I can't even imagine, like how did you guys coordinate, like were you also doing, was it more that you were doing the development of the costumes, or were you also involved in doing the changes and stuff backstage? Um, I wasn't involved with the changes backstage, actually, I had a couple of quick changes that I had to have help with, and uh, Chris and Anthony stepped in for us because I think Rosaline was also part of the set movement. Rosa, I can't remember your exact title for that, so sorry. Kat was doing lights, so it's once show week actually happened, we were all kind of a little dumbstruck because we were just, oh no, what do we do? <laughs> We've got all these quick changes, how do we do this? So we had a lot of hands stepping in, and it was a great learning opportunity for Theater Sarnia of how maybe to better prepare for future productions. It was, we learned a lot of, oh, we're not going to do this again with that show. <laughs> we have learned, we're moving on, we've got better systems in place, and we're going to support people a little bit better with that show. So it was, it was, a, it was a good learning experience front and backstage, because I don't think I'd really done any backstage work other than when I was working at the Hidden Talents camp and organizing small children and not so small children. So it was, it was a big, it's a big undertaking that show, but I, but I loved it. I loved that show. So I wanted to do it for it. So do you think it was the, the nature of the, the show itself that facilitated or necessitated the learning process? Or is it more that it's community theater and it hadn't been done at that scale? Like what do you, why do you think that that learning process was needed because of um, I think it was the scale because we'd done done a couple of big shows and I think it was right before or right after they had raised the ticket prices so they really wanted to make sure we were putting on a, a quality show for the patrons so everything was big everything was grand we were trying to trying to put on a, I would say a professional level production it was a big, big step for Sarnia Theater, I think. It was just, I don't think it was a bit off more than we could chew because we did it. We got there, but it was definitely, uh, oh, we are at this bar now. We are at this bar and we are doing it and we are making sure we're reaching it and we need to, you know, use that phone tree to bring in as much people, as, as many people as we can to do this for our community. I think it's a good reminder too that it is community theater because what comes out of that of the Imperial 
is top notch. I remember Wild. It, it going to, I assumed when I moved here and we started going to the theater, I assumed it was all professional. Everybody's paid. It, it is an occupation for these folks. I assumed that. And when I found out it was community, my mind was flipping blown. And I imagine I'm right. not the only person. Oh yeah. Yeah. We had, we had quite a few people asking about where we brought our actors in after quite a few shows. I remember that question after Hunchback and definitely after Heather's and just a few other things, but just like, it's like, oh no, it's just, you know, your friendly neighborhood troop. We're incredibly lucky. We're, it's, it's stupid how lucky we are in this community. <laughs> like it's just, it's mind boggling when you think about it. It really yeah. is. Um, I'm going to look at my notes. Yum, 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 yum. I'm glad oh. that I'm not the only one that sings when I'm just like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I do all the time. I And every once in a while I'll look up and my husband's looking at me like, have you lost your flipping mind? Because I'll be like, I'm going to put on my shoes and go to the grocery store. And he's like, are you okay? Do you need me to call and someone? you have to do the Mariah hand <laughs> yeah. with it. You always got a Mariah hand. It's great. <laughs> I love it. I definitely wanted to ask you about girls because that, so many questions, so many, so many questions. A a difficult production, I think, because of the content, because y'all were moving the stage and Taylor told me you guys were like doing your own makeup. You were, it was, it was all self-contained. You created your own characters. Uh, tell me all about it. Tell me, tell me everything. Oh gosh, Girls was again an amazing opportunity. I'm pretty sure it happened right after Blonde. It was a whirlwind year for me. Girls almost didn't happen for me. I had already auditioned and signed on to do Nightingale that year because I was missing some of the the people from more of the hidden talents community that I hadn't seen in a while. And because of that, there was some overlap with Girls and when. I got called with, I accepted the role. I was like, this, I've, I've already said yes to this other thing. And I thank you so much. It, it would have been amazing, but I, I've made my commitment already. I, I need to, need to honor that. So then we ended up chatting a little bit and I ended up, oh, I can't remember. I texted or called Carrie and explained the situation. And between Carrie and Henry, we ended up making it work. And it was so grateful because it, it was my first, acting gig it was my first just relying on my own facial expressions because I've, I've done the musical theater I I know I can you know sing and eh, I'm not gonna say I know I can dance but I can I can do the the whole song part but to just rely on my own facial expressions and emotions to relay such an important story was a lot. Again, it was one of those things where trying to memorize things and making sure you were ready for all the other girls, because all of us were busting our asses trying to make sure we had things set and ready to go. And I know there were certain rehearsals where I did not have any of that prepped, and I was dropping the same lines over. But it was, God, it was beautiful content. It was awful and harsh and kind of that kids are mean to each other without knowing why and being honest about that experience for a lot of people, whether you were the one receiving it or maybe looking at it and watching it and going, oh, 
I always wanted to bully. Okay, sorry for my content. Uh, or my. Language. I can put an but, explicit label on this episode. That's not a problem. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm going to start swearing more now. No, I'm kidding. Um, Bring it on. <laughs> it was definitely, uh, you look back at yourself, and Taylor's completely right. We really had to work on our characters. And I think we all went into our characters not deeper than we needed to be, but we wanted people to ask us about our characters. Like, I had so much backstory on Tish. So much. It was stupid. And all of our names came from letters that Henry assigned us. And we all got to explore and create from there. It was a really cool process. And no one has ever asked me to create a character. I've always gone into characters or like, oh, you are high school jock number four. Like, you know, like you don't get that. I hadn't done that sort of background prep for any of my ensemble characters. So next ensemble role I do, I might do it. I don't know if I'll do it as intensely, but giving that a little more color was a really cool experience. And I got to play the bad guy in Girls. I was a right bitch. It was awful and so much fun at the same time. There were certain scenes we would rehearse with Julie, and afterwards I would go up just like, I am so sorry, that was truly a gut-wrenching we did what we were supposed to, but I just tore you a new one, and I feel bad. Like, I felt like I was giving her a traumatic experience because I was so nasty during some of our rehearsals. And those were the ones we were like, that was perfect. Keep it. And I'm like, oh, God, Julie, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was such an important story for all of us. Henry was really connected to it, and she brought together this amazing group of women. It was really powerful and you know, we've definitely drifted since the show. I mean, two of them went to college and someone got married and it was all this thing. But I also know that if I was having a problem, I could message one of them immediately and they wouldn't judge me about anything or if it was available to them, they would come help me if that was what was needed. So thank you, Henry, for making that <laughs> beautiful community for me. Jackie's choreography was incredible and I'm so grateful that it was mainly like a lot of arm movements or sudden poses because I'm like, I can do that. I can jump up and stand in one spot. I can do this. And then the jumping was a problem at one point because I uh, broke a bone in my foot uh -huh. the night that, <laughs> that we had our, oh my God, I can't think. It was, it was Waddle. I'm pretty sure it was Waddle. And we had the gala and we were, we were riding high because we had just won all of these little awards and I hadn't really experienced anything like that. And we were, you know, deep into the wine, some of us, me. Um, <laughs> and I remember walking towards Julie and all of a sudden I stepped funny and I was like, oh no, something went wrong. And the next day I had to go to the hospital because I, oh uh, I couldn't walk on my foot. Oh so my a lot of the jumping for the next tier of our competition, I guess is how I will describe it. I had to, like, gently step. <laughs> I wasn't ready to jump down yet because my foot was still healing. It was a process, but we worked through it. It was a fun little behind-the-scenes thing that you didn't know about. No. Yeah. I love that yeah. kind of stuff, but I'm also kind of mm -hmm. like, God, like, jeez Louise. <laughs> I sacrificed for my art. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. No kidding. I'd say my one, which I think most of us girls felt the same way, was we really wanted to do the show for the high schools and maybe some of the older elementary school kids because it was mature content it it was but I look back at moments when I was perceiving myself as just trying to like survive in a social moment and I was probably crueler than I realized at the time that I 
I think most people have those, you think back and go, I did not handle that moment gracefully. And I think that if I had access or had seen a show like Girls, maybe I wouldn't have felt like I needed to do that or if I was part of that pressure. It was just, it was a feminist war cry about actually being kind to each other as women because a lot of times we're pitted against each other. It was beautiful. I loved it. I think back on that very fondly. It's probably my favorite production that I've been in. People, content, the process, it was great. Um, I, I want to circle back to, because it really is a unique thing. I, I mean, I don't have a lot of theater experience, but um, what little I do have, it did seem like a very unique thing for Henry to do, to tell you guys, all you have is a list of lines and a letter for your name and go. Um, yeah. How did you, like, what was your, your process? How did you end up being the mean girl? Henry had broken the script up because the script didn't have any lines of signs. It was, you could break that script up however you want to, basically. And she had found, she's brilliant, she had found all of the threads that kind of went together and gave us a baseline for personalities there. And she had assigned me T. I was T. She meant for me to be the, um, the terrible, awful instigator. <laughs> and from that and the, the lines that I got and the way that I was speaking and the way other people were responding was kind of how I built it. And I built her to be a spoiled, kind of misunderstood rich girl whose parents weren't around. I think. Yes, because there were the lines about mom's not home. So she was acting out because of a lack of structure or maybe family love or just attention. And so she got her attention elsewhere. And I, I don't know, out of all, all of the human ailments, I find that loneliness can kind of be the first one. And in my mind, from the, the lines and the way I was picturing her develop, that girl was lonely. She had all these people that she had this front for, and then she would get home and she was alone. So it was it was a cool process to make someone that broken. I don't <laughs> like that's terrible to say, but um, I I don't know. I I had those friends when I was growing up that you know their parents worked a lot or they traveled a lot and they would lash out. I had a lot of um, real life experience to draw on to create. Tish, not not myself, gratefully, but people who have been kind enough to open up about their lives or their past with me and how they're feeling, so I was able to draw on some of that. Yeah, and uh, it all it all started with a necklace. I was wearing a necklace one day uh, while we were going through lines, and I was playing with it, and I had my hand on my collarbone the whole time, and I was like, "Oh, this is her. This is her." So it's like, and I'm like, so I got a I had a little pearl set, and that's what I started wearing, and it's like. So um, all of my hand gestures were very, like, lofty and just, like, referencing to myself, bringing it to me all the time. And I started doing that without realizing it initially as I was building her. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, she's drawing the attention. You're gesturing towards yourself. And that was something small that I started doing and realized it and tried to play it up as much as I could. I was bringing my arms in, which is a safe spot, but also, like, everyone looked directly at me 
And Kira, who's just, oh, God, such a phenomenal actress. Kira's one of those people that no matter what show she's in, and she's, like, in an ensemble or she's a character role, you watch her. You watch her facial expressions. You watch her, and you know what you're supposed to be feeling, thinking, doing. And she did such a phenomenal job as my my buddy sidekick in that that it was it was natural. Like, it just, we we worked well. And Kira and I grew up together doing hidden talent stuff. And so it was a really fun really fun little uh, duo we had. We played off each other well. We all played off each other well, but I don't think Tish would have been as effective without B. Yeah, that's very powerful. It's it's funny, I, I wrote down like three questions and it's almost like you could read my paper and you answered them as you <laughs> went. So thanks for that. No, I'm so glad to hear that because sometimes I'm talking and I'm like, am I just rambling? Am I saying anything that makes sense right now? And I'm like, I hope this is something you can splice together here because I'm just blah, 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 blah. You, I yeah. think uh, with me, you would know right away if I was confused. I do not have a poker face. So if all of a sudden <laughs> I'm like, ah, you'll know. So you're doing, you're okay. doing great. Okay, I, uh, cool. I did write something down because um, something that really resonated with me, and this, this is going back a little bit, but uh, you had said you you watched Legally Blonde from start to finish, which I thought was really cute. <laughs> you got to bring that back. <laughs> Thank, you. <laughs> because, Thank you. But, uh, like, I did the same thing. Uh, you know, there were, and I love that you said the VHS because that brought me back. There were certain movies, certainly, even to this day, that I still watch again and again and again and oh, were yeah. so formative in who I am today. And I, I'm just wondering if there were other movies like that for you. Oh, oh, gosh, you're going to call me out here. Um, oh. <laughs> I am a, I am a Lord of the Rings kid. Yes. I, my, parents, my parents were deeply concerned for me because <laughs> I I had one of these little tiny DVD players, and there I discovered that you could loop the movie. So to fall asleep for at least five years, I would loop the battle scenes from the, first, <laughs> the, the third movie. And that's, that was like what brought me restful sleep was the sound of orcs dying by sword. <laughs> yeah, it was. yeah um, I would put a loop on and I'd put a timer on and, uh, oh my gosh, I, I can probably still bust out Annie Lennox's Into the West from the last movie. Yeah, I, I was, that was a huge thing. And I remember going and seeing them in the movie theater with my parents, which I was a little too young for. but. Yeah, it was amazing. The the sets, the costumes, the story. It was, yeah, that was that was one of my repeat all the time things. I also had some Disney movies that I would. I'm OCD, so I would have all my VHS Disney movies, and I would have to watch them in chronological order. So I would start, and I would like have movie marathons or like a Netflix weekend before it was a thing. My mom was deeply concerned. She's like, "Please go outside." But no, I. And now I need to get to Aristocats, and there's a whole lot in the middle. <laughs> Sailor Moon was a big one for me as a kid. I just love Sailor Jupiter and Sailor Mars because they were badass ladies. And to this day, nothing is funnier than them playing off the two lesbians as cousins for the English-Americanized version. I'm like, I swear to God that this is my real dorkdom. You ready for it? It was Sailor Uranus. I swear was the reason why uh, a lot of girls my age are by. Like, I swear to God, that was the, that was the epiphany moment because she was sexy as all get out. And I didn't know how to describe it or feel it as a child, but I'm just like, girl, oh my God, what 
And then they had the audacity to play her off as a cousin. And I'm like, how dare you? <laughs> I don't know how. I actually, I just listened to a podcast about Sailor Moon the other day because I am also a major, major dork. But I don't know how I missed Sailor Moon when I was a kid because it, all of it definitely speaks to me. And, and yeah, that I was listening to this podcast about, I'm fascinated with gender in literature. And so this yeah. podcast was about that. And I had no idea because I always honestly saw Sailor Moon as kind of irritating. Oh, she was. She was. And her relationship with Tuxedo Mask, toxic as all get, he would show up and just be like, hey, I threw a rose, but you guys can continue finishing the fight. I distracted them temporarily and now I'm going to leave. And I'm like, you didn't do anything. <laughs> as an adult, I, I was studying for exams in college and I was like, I needed a break. So I did a full binge of the Sailor Moon series, like start to finish, did it. And uh, I'm like, you son of a bitch, like you didn't do anything. You were one of my original loves, and I've realized that you're useless, and I'm, like, recognizing so many red flags in my dating relationship <laughs> that I think is perfectly fine because of you. I blame Tuxedo Mask for, like, three of my initial relationships. <laughs> it's true, though. Like, you know, it, it, what we see on TV, all of those things definitely impact how we perceive and go forward in life. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, I mean, for that reason, I'm glad I didn't watch it. I mean, it, it's good friendship, girl power stuff, but there are definitely, like, 90 early on tropes where it's just like, ah, come on. We didn't need the dude to show up. You just made him show up so everyone would think that it was him. Then the girls did all the work, and he still got the credit. I, I love that that you watched your, your, your VHS in order. I can't even remember, like, I, I'm such a scattered, I was such a scattered kid that I... I don't even remember if I had them all. Like, they were probably, like, in the wrong cases and under the couch and, like, who knows, maybe one was in the freezer. So I love that yeah. you were organized. I was organized, and I'm so grateful that I didn't have, like, we didn't have Google at that point, right? Because then I would have known how much of my collection was missing. Missing. <laughs> I would have been a wreck. Like, I just thought what I had was it. And whenever my mom would show up with a new Disney movie, I was like, score got a brand new one perfect and i would not watch that one in the chronological order oh, okay. unless i scoured the back of this case for the the year but it took me a while to realize that just because i just got it does not mean it's new <laughs> it was new to me so i thought it should be watched last eventually it would be put into its place but it would take me a little while <laughs> how about that the vault thing do they still do that is that still a thing because i remember like it being like a big deal as soon as a, a movie was going into the vault do you know what i'm talking about like you couldn't buy oh, it yeah. anymore do they still do that do you it, know? i don't know because everything came out of the vault for disney plus oh, which yes. them charging to watch movies on disney plus is just such a scam so awful and i've got a problem with disney right now because they're funding a lot of bills in the states that are homophobic basically so i've got a tear in my soul right now because just things that are so deeply formative it's like the harry potter debate which also an obsession of mine like just you name a typical early 2000s thing and i've got it i'm like i am as like basic white girl should have be stamped on my body somewhere <laughs> oh here's one my first car was a yellow bug i had a little orange flower in it and my friend and I were driving from Starbucks talking 
and we had our big-ass bug glasses, which I still rock to this day. Uh, <laughs> and we were talking so animatedly after our Starbucks that we I almost ran into somebody, and we howled. We howled so hard because we're like, can you imagine us two little white girls, both wearing Uggs and our leggings, with our Starbucks in this yellow bug, causing an accident simply because we were talking. Like, it was a a poster child for basic whiteness. I'm pretty sure they were pumpkin spice lattes, Dallas. Like, it was, you couldn't get more basic. It was, oh, God, I had to pull over. I laughed so hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God. I think I was wearing a vest. Like, it would have been, like, like those puffer vests that were popular in 2012. Oh, like, oh, God. Like, it that was, brings me I back. Was, oh, my word. Yep. With the scarf, everyone looked vaguely like Harrison Ford from uh, Star Wars because we all had our light, our light-colored shirts and our vests and our boots. I never <laughs> put that together. I never put that together until you described it just now. Like, yeah, that's exactly. Oh, I'm pretty sure I stole it from a meme, so don't give me credit. For I don't it. get out very often, so I'm just gonna give you credit for it. So that's how I do. Okay. Okay. <laughs> My personality is made up of multiple TV shows. So isn't everybody's to some degree like, you know, I'm sure if you were to have like a matrix made up there, uh, there's a show that's obviously, um, but if you were to have like a breakdown of your personality, even, even I think a lot of the sayings that I still have are from movies or shows from when I was a kid that I've just carried with me forever. So, oh yeah. Um, Amazon Prime has been a blessing and a curse because I went back and watched Will and Grace and I'm like, well, that's my entire personality right there. (laughs) Karen Walker and Jack, there we are. And they do things and say things. I'm like, that is just like, that's a tick. That's how I laugh. This is how I move my hands. I'm like, all right, that's my entire personality. And then Fran Drescher from The Nanny, who is to this day a style icon that is not appreciated as much as she should be. Like, I, my love of animal print comes from that woman and bless her to this day. I will have an absolute breakdown when she eventually passes. <laughs> it's funny, you, you yeah. keep saying, I'm, a lot of these shows definitely, like, I loved Will and Grace too, and I, I'd be, and uh, The Nanny, like, I, I would be hesitant to, although curious, to rewatch to see how much of yeah. me is from that. Even, did you watch, this is like a whole other podcast, but did you watch, uh, did you watch Friends when you were younger or at any point? I did. I grew up watching Friends, but I, it, it's something I can still laugh at, but it doesn't resonate as strong for me. Okay. It's like, I, I think my personality was formed by, that's probably not going to come across well, but like stronger women, more voicey, opinionated women. Like that. Except for Lisa Kudrow's, I find a lot of the characters in that kind of be like this is written by men <laughs> <laughs> fair enough yeah no and that that's yeah. something and i guess like we're we're slightly different in age so that would make it make a difference but like re-watching i re-watched friends recently and yeah like there was a lot of negative patriarchal stuff in that that i was going Ooh. oh man like no wonder i'm so effed up yeah I mean, tiny feminist cast apparently did not latch onto that one, but did latch onto, I guess, women by marrying wealthy men. So, like, that's not good. I'm now thinking about Fran Drescher's character in The Nanny and Karen Walker. Like, wait, I'm just like, and I'm like, oh, minute. okay. Wait a minute. Also, not a healthy trope. Get out of it. Get out. Oh well, we do what we do. I feel like I could I could talk to you all day about uh, about anything, but we are getting to that point. So I. 
I should rein myself in. But yeah, like I, I usually try to, to dedicate the last little portion of the episode as a platform to you about like literally anything that you might want to talk about. It doesn't have to be theater related. It, truly anything. This is just a you know, free forum for you to discuss. Okay. Maybe bal- I'm going to stick with theater and balance with the theater. I will say trying to fulfill your love and because I, I don't know about you, but when I go into theater, I go in deep. I did. I think it was like 10 shows, if not more, back to back to back from 2016 to 2020. And then it, uh, finally, when they started doing Grease, I still wanted to do it because all my friends were doing it. I love it. I do love that creative outlet, but I was fried. And now I miss it because we've, <laughs> we've been stuck in the panini for so long. But it also has given me the chance to kind of look back on projects and say, would I have signed up for this project if it wasn't just for the social aspect or the I need to help out backstage type thing? Or was this a project I was actually excited about? And there are, there are a few I can think of where it was like, I'm grateful for the experience and I loved being a part of it and I don't regret my time with people. But there's a couple of shows where I'm like, I probably could have stepped back and given myself a breath. I probably could have, you know, balanced out some of my, my socialness outside of the theater. So it's been the long break, which I was not expecting, has been kind of a blessing in disguise because I've rebuilt a lot of friendships that was neglected because I was just going from work to theater to home to volunteering at the theater for bartending or backstage or whatever. So I'd say that balance is hard, but I think that if we can promote that a little bit more within our theater community, from a lot of conversations I had before the pandemic, a lot of people were starting to feel some burnout or at least like you weren't as pumped to audition for something. It was like you were still looking forward to it. You were doing it because friends were doing it. But I think that certain people probably were getting to that point of wanting to step back. So maybe the pandemic was a good thing. Like everyone got out of their burnout phase and maybe I'm totally speaking out of my ass and no one else felt this. And I thought that it was a collective thing and everyone was just agreeing with me as I spieled. I don't know. But there's some people who thrive on the constant like Taylor. Taylor can do it back to back to back to back. And it's just, she's amazing because she has that endless energy. And when they took away the ability to do multiple shows at once, she was upset. I'm like, girl, breathe for both of us. Like you're making me tired. God damn. <laughs> uh, but I, I was grateful because I was starting to get to that point where I was so jazzed on the adrenaline of being on stage or being with all these phenomenal people that I was neglecting everything else in my life. So I'm auditioning for shows that I'm getting excited about. I'm trying to make sure that I'm not signing up for too many volunteer opportunities. I'm taking a bit of a step back and trying to make it a healthier relationship with the theater. Yeah, that's going to be my attempt. I could, like, I don't know. I, I have the thinking feeling that as soon as I dive back in, I will be diving back in. It's going to be full-fledged, and I'm going to be cursing myself. But my goal this time around is to do things a little slower, a little gentler, maybe maybe say no every once in a while, which I know is hard for all of us bleeding heart theater people when you just want to help. <laughs> you just want to help, and yeah, I can do that. I can take that on. No, we cannot take on everything. And that is my little bit, my tiny little zhuzh. I, I love end. it. 
I think that's an Balance. excellent, excellent message. Like, I think uh, I have to fully agree with you. The pandemic forced me to stop and realize that I was going too hard. For me, it was definitely mm-hmm. a work-based thing. Yeah. So not, I guess all of it combined, right? But being forced to stay in my house and evaluate where I, where I was and what I was doing, it it was very much a good thing. And I do think it's really important for us to find positives in a very, very, very dark time, because otherwise we're going to get to the other end of this and it's just not going to be good for our our minds, our souls, any of that kind of stuff. So I really appreciate it. I think this has been a, a good reflection time for most people. I'm sure some people don't feel that way, but a lot of people I've had the chance to speak with, it's like, I started working on this or I've taken up painting or all these other things, right? So I think we've all gotten to that desperation level where it's like, I need a good, I need a good out of this and I'm going to make a good out of this if I'm not being presented with one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it is an important message that even though it's a hobby, it doesn't have to, you don't have to devote all of your free time doing it, mm-hmm. even though you, yeah. Cause it, or mental space. Yeah. Cause then it's no longer a yeah. hobby. It's, it's something that's taxing. Yeah. That's a very good, very good reminder. Thank you. This was so much fun. I am so this grateful. This was so fun. Thanks for having me. Uh, <laughs> all the things. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for making the time. And I hope that we can chat again soon or do a show together or, or oh, absolutely. anything like that would be great. Yeah. Oh, no, we clearly watched a lot of the same things. So we're just going to, I'm planning on a coffee where we just gout for a little bit. So, mm-hmm. you know, mentally prepare yourself for that. I'll get my <laughs> DVDs lined up and I'll watch them in sequential order so in that chronological? I'm prepared for the Yes, perfect. <laughs> perfect. Okay, well, go forth and enjoy your day. And, and again, thank you so much for the time. Thank you for the opportunity. Bye. Have a good day. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> Okay, kids, that's it for this week. You know, I'm thinking new podcast idea is analyzing and discussing older shows with Cassandra. Cass, DM me, girl, if you're interested. Next week's guest is the triple threat, Liv Gogus. See you then.